0: Hey, everybody. My name is Alex, and this is the first episode of the Two Takes podcast. I am here with my good friend, Andrew, and we're going to be recording this podcast together over, uh, you know, the future. So with that being said, Andrew, how are you, sir?
1: I'm good. How are you, sir?
0: I'm good. Thank you.
1: Uh, Basically, Two Takes is going to be a soccer podcast uh, focusing primarily on English soccer, or even from time to time, European soccer. Uh, We are both from America, so we might touch on um, American players in Europe um, or even possibly American players here, uh, as it has been a trend of players leaving academies for European clubs. But that's a uh, a talk for another time. Uh, Today we're going to be focusing on kind of what's going on in the Premier League or today's Carabao Cup final. In terms of the Premier League, we have a couple situations that uh, recently occurred. Obviously, Marcelo Bielsa is out as Leeds manager after uh, just under four years at the club. Um, Tottenham have a great uh, big uh, problem on their hands in Antonio Conte and recent form. Um, Alex, any thoughts on Leeds and their decision to sack Marcelo Bielsa?
0: Well, I, I think... I think it was coming. I mean, we, you both, you and I looked at uh, some of their, you know, past results, uh, and and didn't see the sack being, you know, a surprise in any way, shape, or form. I think you said it earlier. They have, um, I think, twenty goals given up in a calendar month, uh, which is just all competitions.
1: You know, that is all competitions. It was eighteen in the Premier League and two in a cup match.
0: Yeah, that's. I mean, still, that's that's pretty absurd. It's hard to, it's hard to justify keeping a manager around that gives up that type of, 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 you know, goals against numbers. Um, I personally don't know if there's gonna be anybody that can replace him at this exact moment and do a lot better. But I do think when you look at... Go ahead.
1: There is, sorry, there is, uh, obviously Jesse March is is tipped to take over, but before we go there, some of Leeds results. I, I, I kinda wanted to speak about Bielsa as a whole at, at Leeds. I mean sure. yes, the results of January and February of this 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 year were just horrific. I mean, the four nothing home loss to Tottenham, yes, that was the nail in the coffin. Uh but just three days earlier, Liverpool six nothing. Uh a struggling Manchester United, yes, they're fourth, but four two uh at home, uh very tough to take. Yes, United scored two late goals that day. But either way. A three nothing defeat away to struggling Everton. I mean the list goes on. Newcastle hadn't won in a while on twenty second of January. It's it's one nothing Newcastle for Eddie. A big win for Eddie Howe and his team, but uh not what Leeds needed. So I mean, yes, it was coming. Uh in terms of Marcelo Bielsa, I mean Leeds were taken over in, in, in twenty seventeen. Um and he took over. Uh Paul Hackingbottom was sacked. Uh, on June 1st, 2018, and and he took over on June 15th, just two weeks later. Um, I mean, in his first season, obviously he joined in the summer, so he had uh, his first season, you know, started strong, really good, and and then they were on course for automatic promotion, but they had a poor run of form uh, and a poor end of the season, and they lost out on automatic promotion. They did go in the playoffs, but they lost into this lost in the semis against Derby County. This is back when it was uh, Mason Mount on loan, Harry Wilson on loan under Frank Lampard. Um, then they they won the next year nineteen twenty. 1920. Um, they won and they they actually were cleared West Brom by 10 points. Uh, so it was a, a comprehensive victory of, of the championship to come back up. And their first season back last year that, you know, ninth place, 59 points, that's that's. Honestly, that's a great stat. It's a great place to be. Uh, I believe it was the most by a newly promoted side since Ipswich in 2001. So it, it's it's very uncommon for teams to come up and finish top half. Um, but in, in terms of, and, and maybe you can comment on this as well, Alex, but in terms of the way Leeds play, I mean, it, Marcelo Bielsa, his his style was revolutionary. I mean, the amount of high-intensity pressing that, that they had going on and, and just you know they wouldn't give any team any ounce of space it didn't matter who they were playing if they were away to city or liverpool or if they were home against you know bottom you know burnley newcastle anybody they they'd be going at them
0: yeah they're they're an interesting squad i mean like you said when when you get promoted and then you finish in the top half it's very very rare that that that, that does happen I mean, he had a 47.1% a, a percent win percentage with leads. Uh, he was 80, 33, and 57. I think that, that, you know, I don't think that's bad by any means. I, I think that, obviously, anybody would wish for it to be higher than 47%. But when you you get promoted and you have a season like that, it's, I feel like it's very difficult to expect that again and it seems like oh
1: it's it's tough to replicate yes
0: exactly and, and and to me it seems like everybody expected it for be you know to be that way you know he's got a, a pretty talented squad nothing to the likes of you know some of the the big guys in, in the Premier League but you know you got multi you know multiple players that are, are worth over 20 million and so he definitely had a little bit of a talented squad but it just didn't work out I mean you could you say the same thing about Sheffield United last year? You know, like get promoted. Uh, and have a
1: you know, yes and no. I mean, I liked what Chris Wilder did at Sheffield. Um, it's a shame to. It was it was tough to see him go, but yep. they had a good first season up and then struggled in their sophomore season. I mean, it makes sense. Uh, it's it's not uncommon for a, a second year slump. Um, however, I I was more impressed with Chris Wilder because the squad he had. Uh, I mean. It, it was almost as if it was like Eddie Howe from a couple years ago. I mean, he had players just like Wilder from League One who he took all the way up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, something to be said about that. Yes, you know, Leeds have players who have been around you know, for a long time. You know, you look at um, Luke Eiling at right back. I mean, it's Stuart Dallas. These players have been with them from. For a long time since you know they were in the championship for such a long spell, I think they went down in around 2004, 2005. I can't remember, uh, back when James Milner was around uh, <laughs> playing for Leeds.
0: That well, could go back um, 80 years.
1: It could be. It could be. Um, I think, I mean, Leeds are sitting 16th. Uh, two games in hand on Everton, who are sitting 17th, and only one point separates them. Uh, are they in danger of going down four losses in their last five? It's not impossible. That's for sure. They need to turn it around. Um, Only five wins out of 26 games this year. Are they better than that? Yes, they are missing Patrick Bamford who had a great first season up with them last year. I mean, goals galore. Are they too good to go down? Yes. You can make the same argument for Everton, but you know, that's where we're at. So, I mean, Jesse March is uh, obviously American uh, from the Red Bull network is tipped to take over uh, about 80% odds. He will take over in the coming days. What are your thoughts on that, Alex?
0: I think it's interesting. I think, you know, we're seeing some of these managers and, and and I think this is one of the reasons why we really want to focus in, uh, in in English football, but then everything else just filters into it. It seems like, I mean, you know, it happens more often where it filters in rather than filtering out. So, it's you know tactically speaking, you know a lot more than I do. So you'll you'll have more to comment on um, Jesse March's you know tactical styles. But sure, it, it's it is no um, there's no lack of experience when it comes to coaching bigger clubs. When it comes to Jesse Marsh, I think that sure um, you know his transition from the MLS over to uh, to Germany is I, I mean that's a big jump and he didn't he didn't do poorly uh so i think it's i think it's interesting there's some i mean there's so many managers in a you know this little carousel or carousel right now that are just trying to find their spot in teams that are struggling um with y- and then you have two of the better teams in liverpool and city who are just seem to be dominating everything so let me ask you um regarding his tactics and the way that jesse march likes to manage, do you see anything changing with Leeds? Do you think he can keep them out of relegation this year? Um, See,
1: that's the thing. It's an interesting appointment for a couple reasons, or speculative appointment, I should say. Um, I mean, he was uh, a good manager in America for New York Red Bulls. Um, I mean, yeah, only a 49.67 percent win percentage, 75 wins at 151 games. Um, They did win a supporter shield under him. I mean, he was fairly new. He only managed Montreal impact for a year, uh, prior to that and, uh, struggled, uh, originally. Um, but the interesting point in his career is the actual managerial gap. You see, um, from 2018, from July, 2018 to June of 2019, um, he actually worked as an assistant under Ralph Radnick and Mm -hmm. Obviously, we've seen Radnik in the Premier League. United have had a lot of—I mean, I'd say—points thrown away for a team of their stature. A lot of draws against teams. Honestly, they should be beating. I um, yeah. But Marsh does like to play. Um, to to put it best, he has shades of Bielsa. I mean, it's not a—it's not the gung ho style Bielsa is famous for, and and the and the high intensity pressing. But there is pressing in mass and and basically trying to force opposition defenses into into panic and honestly if you look at Bielsa a problem that he had is if teams could pick apart their press and try and break out of it and and honestly score the game was over in 20 minutes that's all Leeds had they couldn't they didn't have a different alternative that they could go to like a a counterattacking you know absorbing pressure style under Bielsa if they were pressing and it wasn't working, that was the game. And the other team was gonna score and win, period. Um Jesse Marsh honestly uh he did work under Ranyik for for about a year. Um and then he he did have a, a disastrous spell um at Leipzig. He was at Salzburg in Austria and had a really good perform, uh, really good spell there as their head coach. Sixty-four wins in ninety-four games. Uh, However, no trophies in two years, and then went back to Leipzig to be the head coach to replace Julian Nagelsmann. Um, Twenty-one games, eight wins, four draws, nine losses, thirty-eight percent win percentage. I mean,
0: that's not what Leipzig
1: is expecting. I trust me, I know they lost some key pieces to Bayern. I know that the, the team was picked apart in a way, but that's that's what actually, that, that little, that performance at Leipzig concerns me uh, going to Leeds because he doesn't have the reputation of a survival specialist and it's unproven so far if he can come to a club and have immediate success for a team in Leeds' situation uh, I mean, three points above the drop. I'm sorry, two points as of right now with two games in hand on Burnley. Um, I don't know if he's the right appointment for Leeds at this point in time. Because of that, uh, he will play a pressing game, which is growing and growing in English football. But is it the right move for Leeds right now? I don't know. You know, Alex, I'll ask you this: Would they be better off going for a safe appointment in a survival specialist, kind of like Watford did with Rory Hodgson, to play four-four-two and play, you know, very safe, defensively solid football? you know they could have gone for Sam Allardyce uh something like that it's a very different tactical switch for for Leeds and that's where i ask you you know what would you think would be a better situation for them
0: so i think it's it's interesting i think you make very very good points it, what's really mind boggling to me is when you know when he was at leipzig it, his goal differential through 21 games was plus 12 Yes, it was. Which usually means they win big, lose small, right? Yes. Um, he had 177 goal differential at Salzburg. Obviously, he had a really good stint there, 64 and 17. And then when he was a New York Red Bulls, he had a plus 81 goal differential. So, obviously, as you just pointed on, his style of football is very, you know, it's more on the attacking side, which I honestly think is going to be good for, uh, for Leeds. Because if you look at Leeds' talent, you, know, you have Rafinha, you have Daniel James you have Rodrigo, like they're, some of their, and Bamford, you know, like you, like you touched on earlier, some of their better players on the front side of that, of that team. And I think, I just think that they're going to be better served with an offensive mind, uh, like Jesse March. but like you said, it, it worries me. I mean, you go from a manager like Bielsa, who has history on history on history and experience on experience. And you go for, you know, you go to a Marsh who, just gets off the worst stint of his career, uh, of his short career, and then, um, you know, just doesn't has has four teams: Montreal Impact, New York Red Bulls, Redburgs, uh, Red Bull Salzburg, and and Leipzig. So, it's an interesting pick. It really is. It's I I feel like it's very comparable to a lot of these NFL teams hiring younger managers or younger coaches. That just I- it's almost like experience isn't as important as it was, but they just have this this way of winning. So. I personally think that the offensive tactics or attacking tactics uh, tactics that he brings might might work out. You know, well,
1: they they could because they could because Leeds is used to pressing. Correct. And um, I mean, he he was Ralph Rodnik's assistant at Leipzig uh, before he went to to Salzburg. So he, I'm not saying he's going to play exactly like Ralph Rodnik, but I'm sure the two shared very similar ideas which is is not surprising. Um I mean United haven't really kicked on under Renick is are they doing better than what Ole could have done? I don't know. That's a, that's a you know, that's for another time. But um I mean in terms of managing England, in England and the English game he he has not done that. Uh I'm not sure his knowledge on especially Premier League football. I'm not sure, but it strikes me as a very interesting appointment and if it does go through, I think will be uh, very, very intrigued to see what goes on at Leeds. Will they go down? I don't think so. I don't think so. But because there's just enough talent and quality in the team to see them through, and same thing with Everton. I, I think Lampard will get them on the straight as well. But uh, only time will tell. Um, and if the appointment is confirmed, we we will definitely see.
0: Um, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. In terms of
1: other situations going on uh, in management. Uh, Tottenham have a situation on their hands. Uh, that's for sure. Um, following Wednesday's uh, defeat on the 23rd of February to Burnley, who were joint bottom at the time, uh, Antonio Conte had a lot to say. Um, Tottenham have lost four of the last five games prior to uh, that, bur- or in- including that Burnley game. Um, obviously, they turned it around with a 4 nothing away win at Leeds. Uh, however, four in, the, four in the last five before that game against Leeds, um, Conte seems to be losing his his focus. Uh, not not focus, I'm sorry. He l- seemed to be losing his confidence. Uh, direct quote, uh, it's not right, not good for everybody to continue to lose. I can't accept this. It's not good for no one. That is his quote. Uh, and then following, he said, maybe I'm not so good. Um, what do you think about that
0: well I'll tell you i'm i am i am looking at his his uh managerial statistics right now and i can I can assure you that he's a hell of a good manager uh whether you yeah. agree with his his style or you know the type of person he is um he's his three managerial um periods at Juventus Chelsea and inter i mean you're looking at sixty two plus percent win percentage for each squad. Uh, and, and he's definitely the guy that's going to be able to turn Tottenham around. If there is one, I think. I, d- I don't know if you can get much better than Conte, especially in weird situations. Like I think he's going to be able to figure it out. Um, And I think it's, you know, we spoke about this earlier. I think it's good that he's taking the blame for it. It doesn't do anybody any good if it's the other way around. If he blames um, the players, yes, correct, no, yes.
1: He's, he's taking responsibility. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, and and that's obviously a really good thing you want out of your out of your gaffer. But the, the thing is, just that Tottenham experiment, right? We've we've seen it over the, ever since Pochettino got sacked. Uh, three different managers, including Conte, and it's just not it's not working. So let me ask you this: We know Conte's a good manager, and we know that he can has a really good chance of turning it around, but do, do does he tur- does he turn it around? Like, do you think he can actually get this squad to perform the way that they're supposed to?
1: I think he has the capability to do so. Um, right now, Tottenham are sitting seventh in the league, twenty-five games in, they have forty-two points, which is they're they're five points off United in fourth place with two games in hand. Um, but a lot of pressure: two wins and three losses in their last five. Um, I think it could be the system for for Conte. I mean, they've had to not necessarily adjust, but Nudo Espirito Santo came in at the beginning of the year. He lasted 10 league games. He was known for playing uh, a five-back, a wing-back system uh, with them flying up on the flanks. And through 10 games, uh, you know, Daniel Levy saw enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he brought in Conte who is a more known manager, no disrespect to Nuno, uh, who was also linked with the Palace job earlier in the year. Um, Conte also playing a 3-4-2-1 or a 5-2-3, depending on the fluidity of the Reggian and Emerson flying up the flanks. Kind of like Thomas Tuchel is playing at Chelsea. I mean, the system has shown that it can work. I don't know if Tottenham have the right players for it. Um, It just, I don't know if it suits them playing with that many defenders. I don't know what you think.
0: Yeah, it's, I just don't know if that backside's strong enough to do that. It's, I feel like Tottenham over the past couple of years has been trying to fill in gaps, especially on their backside because they know. I mean, everybody knows how good, you know, Kane and Son are up front and they just haven't it just hasn't worked I, I don't it's so hard to explain but they've just been in the same rut over the past you know 3 or 4 years and you said they're they're you know sitting 3 points back from west ham at, at in, you know for fifth uh, they've two games in hand but arsenal has three games in hand and they're 3 points ahead of tottenham right now in sixth and arsenal's a mm-hmm. squad that was stro- i mean w- they were struggling over the past 2 years and they
1: did turn around this year they were yep. as high as fourth at one point
0: yeah, or I mean what Arteta not a has great done start, but. seems to be working okay. And I guess the reason I bring that up is because Arsenal was absolute in absolute shambles and Tottenham's still behind them. And to me, it makes me wonder if if Tottenham's gonna make that jump. Like at the end of the year, uh say Conte's still there, which I think you and I both agree that he won't get fired this year, but um he might not be there next season if they don't, you know, do very well. Do you think Tottenham ends up hopping maybe Arsenal and West Ham and sliding into a, a Europa League spot. Like, do you think that would happen?
1: I don't know. Uh, the Premier League is very unpredictable, obviously. I think the top three is is pretty much set. I mean, City has a six-point lead on Liverpool with one in hand. Um, Chelsea is two in hand but are down 16 points. They were top at one point. City took over. Um but I think Chelsea has way too much quality to fall out of the top four. It, it's the fourth spot that's open, because United has been very patchy form-wise. Yep. Uh, West Ham playing well, uh, just have to, to keep pushing. Arsenal do have three games in hand, two points back of United in fourth. And, and then there's Tottenham. Um, what I will say is it wasn't immediately great for Conte at Tottenham. I mean, in his fourth match, and this is the Europa Conference League, <laughs> they lost to N S Mura, who are a very little known Slovenian side. Yeah. And it was almost like a shell shock. Um Conte suggested that, that Spurs need a lot more work than he thought. I mean, did he play a full strength side? No, because it's the Europa Conference League and Tottenham are way too good to be down there. However, it's European football. Um Honestly, I don't I don't think Zach coming for him. Uh, obviously it's not what would you want to see, but Tottenham have 13 games left to play. He's only been in charge for 15 league games. He won't get sacked this year. They're going to let him finish out the year. But in terms of, of is he the right answer? Maybe not yet. I don't know if he's had enough time, but for the system he wants to play, I'm not entirely sure that Tottenham have the right players for it. But he's not going to blame the players. He has to work with what he has, and so far, it's not seeming to click. Um, if Todd, if say he does leave Tottenham at the end of the year or in the summer, God knows who comes in.
0: Yeah, I think that's the, the the challenging part is there's there's not a whole lot of options out there that a lot of people would argue could be better than Antonio Conte. I mean, it's just it's it's a very very thin managerial market right now. Um, so the we'll one that, only,
1: that comes to mind is is Pochettino coming back. He's out of contract <laughs> would... at PSG in the summer. He's the best manager they've had in the last uh since eight years. Yeah. 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 Yeah, give or take. So
0: yeah.
1: I mean I'm no disrespect to Mourinho or Nuno or Conte. I, I would have liked to see Mourinho have more time, but that's that's <laughs> neither here nor there. It's very yeah. far in <laughs> the past now. Um but in in terms of of options, you know, the market isn't that full unless you pay compensation for somebody who's already in charge, uh, of yeah. somewhere else. So I don't know, but either way, transitioning, uh, to the Carabao cup final, uh, and Alex, you are a Liverpool fan. So I want to hear your take first for sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, it was, it was very nerve wracking. Uh, and I think it's the first point that we'll bring up is, um, I think there were at least three, at least three goals that were uh, called back uh, because of VAR as a Liverpool fan that, that helped us probably, I think two of the three times, but overall, before we get into the, you know, the VAR, the VAR talk, I think it was a good game. It it, it gave everything that a cup final could, could promise. I wish there would have been more goals scored and then maybe went to extra time, but for a zero zero, I mean, I was on the edge of my seat the whole entire time. And as a Liverpool fan, you know what Chelsea can do, and how they can punish you, and how good of a squad they are, even though their results haven't been too great lately. So it it wasn't like, you know, I, I think back to Arsenal versus Hull City in the FA Cup, and I mean years ago when Ramsey scored the game winner. If if Liverpool was playing a lower prem team like Hull City at the time, like I wouldn't have been worried. But because we're playing Chelsea, like there's there's always a chance that it could be two nil Chelsea at the end of ninety and it's it was it was a very good game um i'm happy that liverpool came out on top but um you know regardless it was it was a good game to watch how about you what do you think like, do you think it ended the way it was supposed to end <clears throat> um
1: it really could have gone either way Eric. um well, i mean joel Matip scored a header that was ruled out because of a, a foul from an offside position by Rosa van dyke um the big one. I mean, Chelsea did score twice. That was ruled out. Kai Havertz was about a yard and a half offside for his. And the one I wanted to talk about was Lukaku's goal. And Lukaku's been in the uh, in the news recently because he set a record for seven touches, seven ball touches, uh, including a goal that was that actually seven does not include that he uh, rifled a shot. This is against Palace, but he rifled a shot. Uh, Gueda parried it. And um Hakeem Zayek found the net but it was ruled offside. Uh so those that was not included in his seven touches. So he did have a big contribution that did not count. Um you know, he's he's been in the news all year. I mean, he was a little bit unhappy about not playing and you know, Tuchel is kind of playing a strikerless system at times, uh, with very fluid attacking midfielders uh pressing. However, um Lukaku, you know, he hasn't had the best time of late. Seven touches against Palace just earlier in the week and then comes on and Gore Kelleher was kind of left left in the open I mean he didn't have a chance um and Lukaku essentially was about an inch off side if that uh and that brings up the debate of VAR um to the naked eye he looks on side he looks dead even I mean I understand why VAR is in existence and I think it's extremely helpful and valuable and it's correct it does take away from the game a little bit in terms of the passion and the fans you know they they start celebrating and 2 seconds later hold hold on hold on got to check it immediately and then you get another celebration if it stands uh but he was he was probably less than an inch offside and and that's tough especially in a big game you want him to re, to be right but to have a goal that to the naked eye looked onside ruled out you know that's tough i don't know what you think about var but that's that's my take on that
0: yeah it's definitely it's got to be like uh, i don't i'm trying i'm blanking on the word like not demoting but it it's got to be pretty sad deflating for, deflating. Yeah, deflating yeah it's got to be pretty deflating for a squad to in the lat we're in the last 20 minutes they scored two offside goals and then the last one turns out to be probably an inch uh, you know offside which to be fair uh, Lukaku, I mean, with how good he is, just needs to stay on the back shoulder and not go offside. And it would have been fine. And Gary Neville was talking it was about it. What did you say? I said it was the lean. Yeah, yeah. It's Gary Neville
1: had to lean in. And, and it's not a bad thing. It's just that lean can cause you that inch that before yeah. VAR, you're onside.
0: Yeah, it's it's such a it's such a gray line. You know, the do we love it because it gets it right? Yeah. Are there times mm-hmm. where it gets it wrong? Absolutely. And 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 it takes almost it takes away the the human error, which is is good and bad uh, as we know, but I think in a cup final it kind of it doesn't ruin the mood, but it it it's frustrating. Even as a, just as a soccer fan, that's frustrating. You know, it's it's tough, but oh, of I think course. Of course. at the end of the day VAR did its job whether we believe the job was right or not it it did its job and um, I guess that's all you can say at the end of the day when it comes to that I just think Lukaku needs to I mean how much more of a blunder can you be it's it's sad it's honestly quite sad what what's going on with that situation but anyhow um, transitioning to a different position on the field it would be the goalkeepers. We saw a decision by Thomas Tuchel to put uh, put Kepa in and, and take Mendy out for the purpose of the penalties. And obviously that backfired a little bit. No one could have predicted that neither goalie was going to make a save and that the goalie for Chelsea would put one you know, above the crossbar. But when you look at both goalies in uh, in Mendy and Kelleher, I mean, they both had fantastic performances. And like we've said, Mendy's been one of the best goalies in the world you know, this year, uh, do you, like, what do you think of that decision to put Keppa in and then how good were these goalies yesterday? I mean,
1: especially for, for Calvin Kelleher not to be a Liverpool starting goalie. Obviously it's Allison. He's one of the better goalkeepers in the world. I mean, Kelleher is a young, a young guy. I mean, he did a phenomenal job, kept his composure. I mean, he's never played in a game of, of this magnitude before. I know it's a you know, league cup final, but it's still a Carabao cup final. It's, it's not just like the second round or, or third round when they come in, you know? Sure. Um But I think that's what Klopp is, is very good at doing is, is rotating and giving younger players chances. We did see Harvey Elliott, Harvey Elliott, who's back from injury. He did feature yesterday as well. Um Honestly, I, I think he, he did a tremendous job in that. Um, made some tough... There was an early chance off the foot of Pulisic. Uh It was reactionary, but it was... I mean, Pulisic just wanted to put good contact on it, cross from Aspilicueta and and put a good left foot on it, just tap it, and, and it rocketed, but, you know, Kelleher made a good save, um, and so he proved himself early and, and stayed strong. Yeah, nobody made a save in the, in, the, in the shootout, and I think that's what Tuchel might be upset by, because you put on... And who's been in pretty good form, I know he he fell out of favor at Chelsea when Mendy arrived, or even slightly before it, if you will um but you put in Kepa because he's a penalty specialist, he's been in good form while mendy was at afcon um winning afcon and winning goalie of the tournament by the way <laughs> um and especially after the quality of the game mendy had. I don't know if there was a the right decision it's it the only thing is it's it's Tuchel's decision to make and and he and he went for kepa um who is bigger than you realize. Um, even, I mean, yeah, small compared to Mendy, but he covers a good amount of the goal. Um, the one penalty that stood out was Virgil van Dyke's penalty. Uh, I mean, he lined up more on the left side of the goal, and, and Van Dyke just put in a banger to the top left corner. I mean, inviting him to go right, and it's a mental game, but he, he went in the sliver of net that he gave him and and still scored. Should Kappa have saved it? Maybe. Who knows?
0: Is there anybody other than the goat Virgil Van Dyke who would have actually tried that? <laughs> like absolutely, he, I, I agree. absolutely. Yes, there sure is. It's it's,
1: it's got honestly it was Fabinho's penalty one prior and just Panenko. Yes, was, uh, effortless, very clean. Super, I was really surprised by that.
0: Yep.
1: Uh but Fabinho's he's, actually he's, a very both,
0: good penalty taker.
1: Like he's. They're both polished players. They're yep. both, consummate awesome professionals. It's what you expect. Um, Fabinho's dink definitely surprised me. Virgil Van Dyke showed, to be quite honest, balls, period. Yep. Oh, um, yeah. Did serious. Liverpool deserve to win? The game? I mean, Kepa's penalty was god-awful. Kelleher's penalty was phenomenal.
0: It was very good. For,
1: especially for a goalie, very yep. bang-on penalty. Um, did Liverpool deserve to win? Like I said, it could have gone either way. I think it's 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 good for them to win another trophy. Chelsea, obviously, coming off the Club World Cup, you know, I'm not saying did Liverpool need a trophy because Chelsea already won one about two weeks ago. No. Um, but I definitely think that that Liverpool came away for a good reason. I thought they were definitely deserving uh, ever so slightly more than Chelsea to win the match and the final.
0: Yeah, I think it was it was um, it definitely was a coin flip uh, for sure. Uh, I think when Thiago got hurt in, in pregame warm-ups it, was, it completely changed the the game plan of Liverpool because over the past couple, you know, games that Thiago's been the real centerpiece of that of that midfield. They've they've looked phenomenal and there's a there's a for the first time since he joined Liverpool there is a noticeable difference when he's not in that starting 11. Um which I'm happy to yes. finally see.
1: Yes, but if you look at their midfield options uh in 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 reality, I mean between Either Fabinho or Henderson in that holding role, they they do have James Milner. They have Maby Keita, Harvey Elliott. Harvey Elliott played fairly centrally yesterday. Uh, the role, you know, kind of inconclusive. Um, but regardless, they have other options. Uh, but Tiago has been very good in his spell so far uh, since joining. Um, I, I will say James Milner put an absolute shift in
0: yesterday. He did, dude. He just never stops. He just never stops. The man's thirty six years old and just keeps keeps those wheels turning. Um, it's as a Liverpool fan, definitely glad to have someone like him that can just eat up minutes and and, and put in good work alongside of it. Uh, I just saw an article actually that um, Kelleher is getting eyes from Real Madrid. Um, he's twenty three with a two point five million dollar or er, uh, million euro market value. And it's said that Real Madrid is actually looking to put in about a 17 to 20 million uh, euro bid for him. So, yes, biggest game of his career. Performs very, very well, but let's not think that he's just, you know, he he's a very good, very good keeper. And I think he's going to have a good career in the future. Um,
1: I would say it would be a surprise if he would leave. Um I, I would assume that Real Madrid are looking for a new starting keeper, uh, at least in the next year or two. Um, but regardless, I mean, he's only been at Liverpool. He's an Irish goalie. He's twenty three years old. Um, never played for a professional side in Ireland. Uh, Ringman Rovers. I mean, it's 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 a, a second second tier side in Ireland. At least at the time they were. Yeah. Um, and, He's made four total appearances for Liverpool. Honestly, I mean, he had a great game. I, th- I sometimes think that transfer rumors get blown out of proportion. Um, I think what he'll do is is stay, and uh, he'll most likely take over for for Alisson uh, at some point uh, in the next couple of years. But I would imagine they'll loan him out. Otherwise, they're going to have a situation like United with... Um, Dean Henderson just kind of sitting behind De Gea, who yeah. honestly hasn't been great.
0: Yeah, it's it's. I'm curious to see what they do there because Kelleher's 23, and Allison just signed a contract exen- extension until 2027, so that's a solid five years. You know, he'll be 28 before he gets to see like possibly legit first team soccer under Liverpool. Uh-huh. So I'm I'm curious to see what happens. It's going to be uh interesting.
1: Well. There's there's a couple options. You loan him out, you let him get first team in mean, Premier League football, or if obviously Real Madrid come in for a loan offer, okay, maybe if he's going to be their starter. But that's the thing with goalies, you can only play one. And honestly, Jurgen Klopp has been very good, uh, I mean, in years past about rotating goalies. I mean, Allison didn't start a game. Adrian featured quite a bit after he moved, uh, moved up north to Liverpool. So, there's a lot of things that could happen, uh, but obviously time will tell again. Um but I don't know, I I think he played well and and for his younger age I think he held his composure very well, especially to slot the penalty, uh to win the shootout. So
0: Yeah, that's that's nerve wracking, man. I don't know if I'd be able to do that, but um I think it was a good game. I think it ended um in a very, very dramatic fashion with the you know, the PKs um but before we before we hop off and end this anything else on the top of your mind um that you'd like to talk about real quick
1: not that i can think of but um we hope that you tune in for our next episode uh what we're gonna do is uh we're gonna talk a little bit more about the Premier league uh in depth um possibly our biggest surprises and disappointments so far uh and then we're gonna be talking about the tie race and. Uh, most likely a couple more things. So uh, we uh, we hope you stay tuned, and uh, we thank you for tuning in today. Um, it was a lot of fun. I don't know about you, Alex, but I had a lot of fun recording this first episode.
0: Yeah, man, this is we get to talk about what we love, so it's it's uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, I think your wealth of knowledge um, definitely uh, complements the, the the little bit of less knowledge I have, and and hopefully we can give a little bit of understanding to people who are either learning. Um, about European football or um, already know it. So thank or you. Or who know. just
1: won our two takes. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, so thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And uh, we'll be back probably, I don't know, what do you think, Adrian? Maybe maybe next week for the second episode? Something like that? Maybe even,
1: maybe even sooner. Uh, yeah. We'll,
0: uh, we'll see. And we'll you see. can find this on most likely iTunes, probably Spotify. And then, um, you know, hopefully we can start reaching out in other ways, but thank you for your time, uh, Andrew. Thanks for doing this, buddy. As always, looking forward to the next always one. Always a pleasure. Always All a right pleasure. All right. See you everybody.